0: Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga, and for more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, ScriptsAndScribes.com. But first, I'm pleased to have back on the show the Vice President of Development for Boom Studios and former Editor-in-Chief of Archaea Comics, a true scholar and gentleman, Mr. Stephen Christie, welcome back to the podcast. Stephen.
1: Thanks, thanks so much. You're, you're you're buttering me up really well. This is great. I should no, come you're more you're
0: often. You're awesome. <laughs> I, I love having you on the podcast. You're such a great guy. Um, and it's a uh, pleasure. Yeah, no, it's it's you're not only super smart, but you're a super nice guy, which is a nice combination for us. Especially.
1: Um, My goodness, uh, Flavory will get you everywhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, now, the last time you were on the show, you were the editor in chief of Arkea. Um, RK has since merged with uh, Ross Ritchie's Boom Studios, and you've got a new job title. You've been promoted to Vice President of Development for Boom. So first, let me congratulate you on that.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Um, And uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your your new job, your new position there, Um, because you're Vice President of Development for Boom. What does that entail?
1: Well, it's it's a really interesting kind of shift in my job from what I was doing at Arkea. Um When I was at Archaea I was running the editorial vision of the company and um, actually editing a number of books myself, but I was also at the same time uh, running all of our film and TV business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so basically taking, you know, Arcea is based in L.A., and what I did was I took our properties that we had published as books and the ones that made sense to try to do as films or TV shows uh, through our agencies and relationships that I had, I would I would go out and get them sold to places like 20th Century Fox and Warner Brothers and DreamWorks Animation and uh, HBO, among others. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I was doing that while at the same time, uh, you know, having editorial oversight over kind of the, the creative vision for what kind of company Archaea was and editing books. So So my head was in a lot of uh, different spaces <laughs> right and um and when I got over to boom, you know they they wanted to integrate uh archaea into their editorial system um, and they they basically you know wanted to kind of take it over and as part of the merger, they moved me over to doing film and TV full time
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which was which was really exciting it was a little bit daunting but very exciting because you know, being able to kind of focus on that and really dive in on that um, was something that, you know, I've really appreciated, and and I've really appreciated kind of being able to work with a bigger catalog of properties, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that I had at Arceo. And, you know, really thinking about now that we are a bigger company with the two companies together, you know, how can we as a comic book company be, the the next I, I don't want to say the next Marvel because I think if any comic book company says they're going to be the next Marvel they're deluding themselves right but um you know we we feel like we can kind of carve out a niche for ourselves in the industry because we're doing between the two companies very interesting non superhero branded original intellectual property mm. um and around town right now in Hollywood the the, the time for underlying IP, you know, the, the thirst for it, I should say, uh, has never been deeper than it is right now. Absolutely. So it, it's it's a good time for us to be putting uh, resources and focus and attention uh, towards it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, in our previous interview, we did speak at length on, you know, Hollywood's mining of comic books for great material. And now you're obviously in in the forefront of it. Um, and I know that you were sort of responsible for setting up, uh, boom's first look deal with 20th century Fox. Um, can you explain how that sort of came about and, uh, you know, what's on the horizon with, uh, this Yeah, thing? you know,
1: it, it was a really great, um, thing to come out of the merger because I don't think it's something that we could have handled on our own. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think either company could have done it or been able to execute on it properly on, on our own. So uh, the deal came about because Archaea had a previously existing relationship with Fox. We'd sold them our book, uh, Rust, and have been developing that with them, with Carlos Saldana, who's the director of Rio and Rio 2, and some of the Ice Age films uh, attached to direct it as a live-action feature. Mm. And um, and then we sold another movie to them last May, with uh, uh, written by Aline Brush McKenna, and produced by Simon Kinberg, who's producing X-Men and mm-hmm. Star Wars, as well as Rust. Um, so we had a good relationship with them already They're, They were aware of us. They were aware of our material. And, you know, I think us combined with boom, where you have a bigger library and thanks to the merger, we essentially have the largest library of intellectual property outside of Marvel and DC, mm-hmm. um, in the business. And I think that the, the combination of the two companies was something that they saw and Fox just really wanted to try to get, um, what's going to end up being a pipeline for them right. of new material and new content with, with new things kind of always coming through and, and, and always coming out. So, right. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, I, I give them a lot of credit. It's, it's, uh, it's very forward thinking of them and, Dark Horse had a deal with Universal that did not totally work out mm-hmm. because RIPD was the only thing that came from it. Right. Um, they did get a movie made, which I, I give them credit for because that's a hard thing to do in this Absolutely. day and age. Absolutely. Um, and they're all great guys over there, but you know, beyond that, nothing really came out of the deal. So um, I give Fox a lot of credit for making the jump with us and we're kind of very focused on delivering for them right now.
0: <laughs> cool. Now, um, speaking of that, uh, Boom, you know, in terms of material, um, Boom Studios has uh, a submission page for artists, and I know, um, uh, but not for for writers. So I wanted to talk to you a little yeah. bit about um, how Boom gets uh, new uh, projects, new material, new comics, new you know, how do you develop uh, new material for Boom?
1: Well, it's um... We do not have open submissions, um, but like like you said, we do take artist submissions on our Facebook page. So we're always trying to scout out new talent and and um, new artists that we like. Um, we will sometimes look if you know if you find us at a convention or, or or you know talk to one of our editors. We'll take a look at comics that have been packaged. You know, so if you're a writer, if you go out and get an artist and either hire them to do a sample, you know, some sample pages for you or, you know, hire them maybe even to do a whole issue for you or just convince them to do it out of the goodness of their hearts.
2: Right.
1: Um, that's that's something we'll look at. We will look at um, completed comic book pages, you know, mm-hmm. as long as it's at least like five or six pages of comic book artwork. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what we really kind of generally do in terms of writers that we're interested in we like to find uh, writers that, you know, we either have our eye on or, or we know or have developed a relationship with one of us, you know, one of the others or something like that. We don't really go out kind of looking for blind submissions, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So okay. I say unfortunately also because, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, just, there's not enough hours in the day. Like I, I always – one of the biggest things that we saw at Archaea, which we still do at Archaea, is we saw – Um, writer-artists or a writer-and-artist team, we saw them come together and submit wonderful books to us, and they'd never been published before, Mm -hmm. and we we would pick them up. And Archaea still has an open submissions policy for stuff like that, but I do know how hard it is to be a writer and to have an idea that you want to do, but you can't find an artist that will do it, or you can't afford to pay an artist to do it. Um, you know, it, it it kind of sucks being on, on the writer's side of, and not being able to, uh, I, I guess, you know, just having to face that challenge of putting that together on your own.
0: Right, right. Um, okay, but assuming that, for, let's say, you have a pair of comic book creators or an artist-writer, um, and they submit to you and, and you uh, like the material and you are considering publishing it, Just out of curiosity, I know we, I I believe we had mentioned, talked about it before in terms of Archaea, but I don't remember the specifics of it. Um, What sort of rights do the creators maintain or, you know, percentage wise, how is it split um, between uh, Boom and the creators themselves?
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, we, we, um, I'm not sure how much I can talk about that sure. specifically.
0: Okay, so it's on a um, sort of a case-by-case basis.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. but I mean, one thing that we believe in very strongly at at and I can say, is that we uh, um, we we believe in supporting our creators, and we believe in making a deal that is very uh, fair for everyone. And mm-hmm. we we just did a new iteration of our kind of standard creator deal, and. Um, it's something that I stand behind completely. Coming from, uh, you know, Archea, which was a very kind of creator-owned and creator-focused company, mm-hmm. um, the deal that Boom has is, I think, uh, now the best in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, one of the most competitive in the industry. Where, you know, you're you're going to get paid for your work. Your work is going to get out there. Um, you know, you're going to uh, be able to retain. Uh, retain rights and, and retain a lot to it. So it's a, it's a very good deal. You know, I wouldn't go into too much detail. No, about, no, I got
0: but, you. I got you. Um,
1: um, but, but yeah, it's um, it's competitive.
0: Right. No, that's cool. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, you're definitely an all the level guy. And, you know, if, if you believe in it, I, I, I think that that's, that's fantastic. Because um, yeah. we, had, we had talked about it before, I believe, that, um, like, image comics uh, will publish books and the creators retain all rights. The problem is mm-hmm. they don't get paid for it. Um, unless they make sort of obviously, you know, uh, profits from, from publishing, which, you know, in, in this, yeah. in this day and age is very, very difficult to come by. Um, and secondly, they offer no support at all in terms of getting anything made. And, you know, the thought behind it as well, you know, uh, if my, my comic book idea is so great that somebody is going to want to pick it up, but the, the marketplace yeah. is so full and it's a lot based on relationships. So, you know, a, a company like boom with somebody who's working full time like yourself to develop projects, you know, seems is a very appealing uh, process, I think. And, and you know, comic creators should definitely consider that. But um, yeah. yeah, I definitely think that that's something that, uh, you know, people look at image going, oh, well, you retain all rights. Yeah, but they really do very little for you in, in, in that sort of development sense. Oh. Yeah,
1: and, and the nice the nice thing about our Fox deal is that you know we have now an established quote for underlying material, and CAA, who negotiated the deal with us um, mm-hmm. on our behalf, uh, they called it the richest rights deal for underlying material at any studio
2: wow. they're
1: aware of. Um, so so that that was a real it's a real point of pride for us, and it's something mm-hmm. that we're really happy and excited about because. Um, uh, you know, and, and this has been reported, so I can say this, but uh, there's a uh, uh, we have a piece of first dollar gross. Oh wow! Um, on the rights, mm-hmm. uh, so that means that the creator is sharing in um, a piece of you know money coming in from the movie right from the get go. Right. So right. I I really I'm I'm very grateful to Fox for stepping up like that for us, and you know it it, it just makes it it makes it that much easier for us to attract good talent with that kind of deal because it's you know it's one of the best deals in comics. Right. And that's something that you know if, if you're just selling an idea on your own or you're just starting out it's very difficult to get that kind of quote or that kind of precedent. That that deal right there is 4 years of deal making on the side of both Archaia and Boom right uh, to get to get the deal to that point. Right. So
0: and not that I'm bad mouthing Image in any way. I just wanted to throw that out there because I think they're a terrific. Yeah, company. yeah, no. What they do is great. But for those who are not as familiar with you know sort of contracts and negotiations, first dollar gross profits versus net profits is a, a world of difference. I mean, you know, <laughs> for those not involved, I mean, it, it, that's the difference between getting paid and not getting paid essentially.
1: So. Yeah, net, net profits I, I always joke like when, when you hear uh you know, a studio like Warner Brothers saying that the Lord of the Rings franchise hasn't been profitable for them.
0: Right. Exactly. You know, that's
1: <laughs> it, it's it's like Sony says Spider Man hasn't been profitable for them. So that that's uh that's net, you know, af, after everything. But first dollar gross like like you said is truly from uh from the beginning.
2: Right.
0: So it's Absolutely. um It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, the running joke is, you know, you can take pretty much any successful film, you know, whether it's Forrest Gump or whatever. I mean, it's lawsuits up the wazoo because they, quote, unquote, haven't made any money in profit, you know, and they've made a billion dollars. So it's kind of. Exactly. Exactly. You know, Um, I hate to break it to you, but Harry
1: Potter hasn't made any money. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) No, no, legitimately, like Warner Brothers claimed that to someone and everyone was like, are you serious?
0: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's well, you guys have first dollar growth, so that's all that matters. Yeah. Um you know, what what are a couple of boom properties just out of curiosity um that are around that you think would make great films or TV series?
1: Oh gosh, there there's uh there's a lot of them right now and there and there's a lot coming down the pike from uh from our, our list of new titles that we're working on. Um there's one book in particular that I'm really excited for called The Woods. Mhm. Um, which is uh, a new book coming out from James Tinian, who is a writer for DC and who is a protege of Scott Snyder, mm. who is writing on uh, on all the Batman titles. Right, right. Well, I should just say he's writing on the main Batman title. But um, the Woods is about a a school like in Middle America that one day completely disappears. Like there's almost just like a crater there, you know, where a school should be, and it disappears in the middle of a school day. Mm. And all the kids and teachers and everyone working in the school experiences a giant flash of light, and then when they go outside, they realize that they're on what looks to be another planet. Mm. And they've been transported there by some force that they don't know or they don't understand, and they have to unravel a mystery of who brought them there and why. Mm. So that's a really cool idea, and
0: I'm really... Now, excited about would that be developed as a film or a TV series?
1: You know, it's it's interesting. I think it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, we want to show it to, to Fox first to kind of get their their take on it. But um, I, I personally am just in am in love with TV so much right now.
0: Right, there's some great um, TV now.
1: It's it's really good, and there's something so cool about kind of being able to dive in with characters for mm-hmm. such a long period of time. Right. Um, and really get to know them and see how they change that there's, there's something that I, I just really, uh, love about that in TV. I mean, i you know, I always love movies, but mm-hmm. TV is just so good right now. It's ridiculous.
0: What are you watching? So,
1: uh, well, like, like everybody, I just watched true detective and I mm-hmm. just watched, uh, house of cards
0: okay.
1: and I'm very excited for game of thrones to come out.
0: Oh yes. Every, I think everybody is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. We're, We're developing a TV show with um, a screenwriter who has a uh, big movie, kind of awards-bait type movie, uh, coming out this year, premiering at Cannes. And um, every time, like, like when House of Cards came out and True Detective came out, he and I would laugh because we would just like call each other and be like, we have to make ours darker. Like it has to be darker. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it, it's like, I feel like there, there's this race to kind of uh, explore the underbelly of the human condition right now um, with a lot of these shows that are, are doing really, really well. And that are the most interesting, you know, of the shows out there. So right. it, it's a great time to be a TV fan. Are, are you watching anything right
2: now?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, two, the two series you mentioned, True Detective and uh, uh, House of Cards, are both brilliant. Um, uh, I love I love Boardwalk Empire, uh, obviously King mm. of Thrones. A lot of the HBO stuff is fantastic. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Downton Abbey. I don't know if you've ever watched Downton Abbey. Oh,
1: yeah, I... I... I love that show until it became a little too much of a soap opera right. for me. But and the that, first season's spectacular.
0: Yeah, I think it's a fantastic show. There's so much great TV on that we can just go on and on and on about. Yeah, it's a, for me though. It's almost all cable. I, I I don't tend to watch as much network
2: TV. Yeah.
0: Um, there, you know, there's some good stuff on there, but I think for the most part, most of the really, really great stuff, like Vikings, just came back, which I, I'm a big fan of. Um, oh,
1: that's, that's getting pretty popular, I think.
0: Yeah, it, what it's, I know. yeah, no, I think it's, it's really well done and it's, who would have thought, you know, again, everyone has their own, uh, uh, all the networks, even like history channel, um, you know, they all have their own original series now, which is, which is great because they can really, yeah. you know, uh, and, and I think they're pushing the limits and I think they're really, you know, doing some great things. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we can probably talk for a half an hour just on. TV show. Um, what other? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, um, but I did cut you off. So, is there other Boom properties that you're really excited about that you're working on?
1: Um, I'm I'm very excited about uh, Daymen, which mm-hmm. we set up at Universal Studios last year. That, that's a really kind of fun uh, vampire idea uh, that that I'm excited to explore. And mm-hmm. um, we have some older Boom titles that I can't really talk about that I am really excited about that have recently kind of come back to the fold and okay. uh, we're working on developing right now as we speak.
0: Oh, cool. Okay. So, um, um, okay. so it's good. No, you sound, yeah. You, you know, you've, you've got great taste in material and uh, you know, you've got a great library to work with. Um, but going back to, you know, sort of film TV adaptations, um, you know, Marvel and DC obviously sort of have, you know, the superhero market sort of cornered. Um, but there's a huge market for, you know, non-superhero IPs. Um, what does the marketplace look like to you? And, um, you know, uh, uh, we've talked a little bit about the boom properties that you're kind of looking at. But, you know, in terms of what does the marketplace look like? Is there anything in particular that's sort of uh, uh, in demand or uh, uh, is the market flooded with a certain, you know, types of IPs, you know, like vampires. Well, I think, or whatever.
1: yeah, I think the market is really flooded right now with a lot of these YA properties. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's funny cause I, I know I just pitched the woods, which sounds like a YA property and it is kind of, so <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to just put my foot in my mouth right there and, and say that everybody's responsible. But I, I think it's, it's obviously flooded because of the success of hunger games and divergent and twilight and, <laughs> Um, you know kind of everything that's that's going on right now um, so so that that's one area that's definitely flooded I mean in terms of genres if you're thinking about doing a comic book I mean like I I have no interest in trying to do a superhero project mm-hmm. um, I would love to if I worked for and DC I, I, I would die to get to work on on um, one of those characters but
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know it doesn't make any sense if you're a smaller independent company with limited resources to try to beat the branded superheroes at their own game by doing an unbranded superhero. Right. Um, the only one that has worked and I would even argue that it hasn't worked that well. It was Hancock,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and I think that, that kind of, I don't think it was a very good movie, but I think it at least connected with audiences primarily because of Will Smith. Right. At sure. the time. Sure. Um, so you know, we're at Fox, which is the home of X Men and Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for Fox to want to make a Boom superhero title, right. you know, unless they really want to. I'm I'm not going to say no to them, <laughs> <But> that, <laughs> of course. You know, it, they, I I think they don't want they don't want brand confusion,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: they're putting their eggs in the X Men basket as well. They should, right? Um, you know, it's exactly what I would do if I had the X Men, right. Yeah. So um you know, so that that's that's kind of the landscape. So so because of that, because of that focus away from superheroes, mm-hmm. we find ourselves playing in action and adventure and sci fi and horror, um, just basically all of those genres. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's that's really our sweet spot and that's the kind of content that we love to make and that we get really excited about making. Right. Right.
0: Um what there's a lot of comic book adaptations coming out this summer. Many of them are sequels and such. Um, are there any comic book or to film or TV adaptations that you're looking forward to in particular?
1: I'm really looking forward to Captain America.
0: The Winter Soldier? Yeah. I'm,
1: re- I'm really excited for that. that. That just, I mean, the buzz around that is yeah. very, very strong right now. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like Marvel keeps upping their game. Although I'm a little, I'm not really sure on guardians of the galaxy. Right. I was I, actually one of the few people that didn't like that trailer that thought it looked kind of, uh, cheesy, you know?
2: Right.
0: I actually, I, I thought it looked great. I mean, I'm a sucker for it though. But I love oh, to in, cool. infuse humor into, uh, <laughs> into the, uh, the, the, the properties. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think they both look fantastic, um, which, is, yeah. which is so great because I think that when the superhero genre does well, uh, comic books in general do well, and that only enhances even non-superhero comic books and their IPs do well, I think. Um, yeah. You know, the whole marketplace, I think, does well when they do well. So it's good to see that, again, like you said, they've upped their game and they're not resting on their laurels. Just, hey, let's just pump out a whole bunch more. You know, hey, let's have, you know, uh, you know, t- let's take every third bit superhero that we have in our roster and pump out some sort of movie really quickly. Um, yeah, exactly. They're actually taking exactly. their time and doing it right, you know, making good, solid films. And, um,
1: it's going to be really interesting to see Marvel the next few years. And I, I, I've learned now never to bet against them because a the few times have been like, oh, that's not going to work. Uh, it ends up working. so. Right. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see as they do Guardians, as they do Ant-Man, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, everyone's pretty much confirmed that Doctor Strange is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it, as, as they kind of explore those, those lesser-known titles, we'll really get to see uh, the reach of the Marvel Universe as a whole and how much that can support, you know, all those movies that they release.
0: Right. I mean, I think if they do it well, um, there'll be an audience. Uh, especially because they're they're doing it so intelligently. They're they're doing all these crossovers and having you know known brands like the Avengers, you know, peek into others like you know having Iron Man appear in Avengers to up that brand for people who mm-hmm. may or may mm-hmm. not be on the fence about it. But obviously, you have to do the film well. So then, when Avengers is really well, you've got Black Widow, and then she can make an appearance in Captain America. You know, they 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 all can bring each other up. And so they do a great job of sort of integrating them into each other, into this world. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely think that that's, you know, something that they do exceptionally well. Um, very true. What do you think, um, Marvel versus DC? Because it seems like Marvel has done really, really well sort of across the board. Um, whereas DC is, I don't want to say hit or miss, but like the Batman done by Chris Nolan have done exceptionally well, but Superman not as much um it's not to say that they were flops so that they're they're terrible because i think both brian singer and Zack snyder's versions were were good and and but there it's not like the nolan batman they haven't achieved that level of success and, and i think that they're trying to integrate them you know with the justice league and the batman versus superman kind of thing but why do you think marvel has been more successful than dc at that
1: I give I give all credit to Kevin Feige mm-hmm. and to Ike Perlmutter and to Avi Arad before them because what what they really saw it, it was it's funny I actually interned at Marvel in development right when the first Iron Man was in uh, pre production mm. and it was the very beginning of that studio and I give them so much credit because what they did was they had the ability to go to Merrill Lynch and they said. We've made these X-Men and Spider-Man and Blade movies uh, and Fantastic Four at that point in cooperation with other studios, and they've been successful. And what we want to do now is we want to raise a half a billion dollar film fund for our own movies that we will produce on our own.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And as collateral, they offered up the rights to Captain America and Iron Man and Thor so that if those movies tanked, Merrill Lynch would own... Captain America. They would own Iron Man. They would own Thor. Right. So um, they they bet you know they bet the farm and and luckily they won. Right. Um. And uh, and I just give them a lot of credit for that. And I think that that's something that on the DC end, DC has been a part of Time Warner for years now. I mean, Mm -hmm. thirty maybe thirty years, thirty plus years. They've been a part of that family. Mm -hmm. Um. And what you don't have there is you don't have someone with the power to do what Kevin Feige does, which is actually go produce his own movies. And, you Mm -hmm. know, he he has a budget, he has oversight, but from what I know, he's kind of, you know, he's trusted to do his own thing and oversee the entire universe. And Mm -hmm. what you get instead is you get Chris Nolan kind of working on Batman and then somebody else doing Green Lantern and Green Lantern tanks. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. even fit with what's going on in the Batman universe because, the producers aren't working together. And Chris Nolan doesn't want Green Lantern to succeed in a, in a way. You know, he's doing his own thing with Batman. He's not involved in that. He doesn't want to be involved. Right. It doesn't matter to him whether Green Lantern, you know, works or doesn't or is integrated or not.
2: Mm-hmm. He definitely
1: doesn't want it integrated into his Batman movies. Sure, sure. So that's the kind of environment that's been there. And now the the rumors that are swirling around is that, or that basically David Goyer is going to be the creative head of DC uh, Film.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he he's going to be the boss over there, and that, you know, okay, that's great. Now you have someone who's kind of overseeing the universe. Mm-hmm. But I think they still have a long way to go um, in terms of being able to do it. I just don't know if I don't know if the corporate structure is set up to make DC successful the mm-hmm. way the way Marvel is, because Marvel built itself up and then it sold itself off to Disney, but it had enough creative capital that, you know, Disney kind of leaves them alone to a certain extent, you know, mm-hmm. much in the way that they leave Pixar alone in a lot of ways. And now, like, Perlmutter, who owns Marvel, is the biggest shareholder besides Steve Jobs' estate um, in Disney. So he can use his... Is weight on the board to kind of protect Marvel and right. make sure that it works. Right. So. Um, what, uh, very tangled you... web yeah. out here in Hollywood of <laughs> I how know. all this stuff, you know, works.
0: No, but it's great. I mean, it's, uh, you know, getting this information out there, uh, for, you know, screenwriters to who may or may not be familiar with the deals going on behind the scenes. Um, yeah. But what are your, some of your favorite non superhero IPs that, you know uh art boom related
1: um I was just having a conversation with John Cassidy uh a week or two ago about how much I love planetary mm. um which is published by warner by by d c used to be published by Wildstorm, you know now published oh. by d c mm-hmm. and uh that's a fantastic book for people who haven't read it it's It's basically a a tour of the last hundred years of pop culture. Uh, through the eyes of these secret agents. So basically uh, imagining a world where the Shadow and Doc Savage all the way up to Superman and the Fantastic Four were all real heroes Mm -hmm. and and real things in in this world. Um, And it's just a great, very pulpy kind of series that, uh, that came out a little over 10 years ago that's very, very loved by fans. So I've been kind of rediscovering that lately and talking to John about stuff.
0: Very cool. Um,
1: and there's also The Invisibles by Grant Morrison, which is my oh, yeah. favorite book. I, I always say that's my favorite book of all time because if you read that book at the right age, which I was, I was like <laughs> 15 or 16 when I started yeah. reading that, it, it actually changed my life. It changed the way uh, I look at things.
0: Oh, cool. And the yeah, way I, I look at the world. So. Yeah. Grant's real talented. Um, yeah. He's amazing. Um, I was going to ask... Um, touch a little bit about the development process. We've talked a little bit about it, but I wanted to maybe um, see if we can dive a little bit more into it. Uh, sure. Let's say you have a property, a fictional property or wh- whatever, or you can use an example of what you've done in the past if you feel like it. Um, you have a property, a comic, that you feel would make a great film, TV. What is the process you go to to sort of take it to that next level? Do You go out and talk to agents and and... and agencies or do you go straight to now you have a a deal obviously box so that's probably one of your first stops but how do you you know take that to that next level how do you get other people interested you know the decision makers interested in it
1: well you know the 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 big thing that is going on right now in terms of taking underlying ip is that you have to have to have to package it with people you Mm -hmm. have to get screenwriters on board even better to get a screenwriter and a director on board, mm-hmm. you know, but at it, it, it least screenwriters because you have to be able to go into a studio with, with a take from a screenwriter. So right. we work with a lot of agencies on trying to get the right people on board for our projects um, and connecting material with talent out there around town. And uh, we've been really lucky so far in terms of the people that we've been able to get interested in and, and the projects we've been able to do. And um, that is the start of the process. And mm-hmm. then when we find a person that connects with the material that we like, then we kind of work on them uh, work with them on their take for the material. So mm-hmm. the, what they want to present, basically. And we'll do that through a series of meetings, you know, kind of going back and forth, giving notes, uh, uh, shaping the film to where we want it to be. Um, and then from there, with our deal now, we take it into, Uh, our executives at Fox that we work with and we Mm -hmm. pitch it to them. And if Fox wants it, great, we already have our deal pre-negotiated and we sell it to them and then we begin the process of actually developing with the studio. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And if they don't like it, then we're allowed to take it to other territories around uh, around town, Mm -hmm. which is great. So we we have to get a pass from them first, but then when we get that, then we can move on uh, elsewhere.
0: Gotcha. Um which is really good. So. Yeah, no, that's great. And do you uh do you when you take it to like for example Fox and if Fox um doesn't feel like doesn't you know connect with it, um, do you go out to other producers and production companies or just other studios and, and outlets like that because you guys are obviously the production company. Do you look for yeah if, if, if
1: we're um, if, if we're going out to other studios we just go out on our own I mean we're, we're very lucky enough to be at the point where we have we have the experience and we have the infrastructure to you know produce on our own mm-hmm. and uh, that doesn't mean that we won't get partnered up with other producers but what we like to do is we like to bring something in clean and then if the studio wants to put somebody on um, gotcha. then you know then that's up to them if they want to do that or not
0: Gotcha. Unencumbered. And we, gotcha. We,
1: we've worked. We've worked with a number of producers. I mean, I, I've been really lucky at Fox to work with uh, genre films, just Simon Kimberg's company. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Simon and Aditya Sud and Josh Feldman over there, those are all uh, fantastic guys that we've had the opportunity to work with. Right. So awesome.
0: Um, now we're sprinting a little short on time. I could probably talk. We can probably talk. Go on for different us for another hour and a half i'll do it um don't tempt me <laughs> uh but i'm sure you have other things to do so i'm gonna start off we have rapid fire you probably remember the... oh
1: great i'm ready let's do it
0: okay the first one who would be more fun at a party actor stephen baldwin basketball player stephen curry or astrophysicist stephen hawking and why
1: oh my god um fun at a party Probably the basketball
0: player, I would think. Stephen Curry from the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Excellent.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, Stephen Hawking would be much more interesting, but right. in terms of, like, having fun, I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah. <Ouch. laughs> yeah Steve, Stephen Baldwin would probably start lecturing on... He's just, he's, yeah. he's just crazy. He's just crazy. Better song, Boom by P.O.D., Boom Boom Pow by the Black Eyed Peas, or Boom Shake the Room by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince?
1: Oh my god, boom Shake the room. Nice. No question. Excellent no choice. question.
0: Excellent choice. If you would- These are very
1: appropriate uh rapid fires by the way. I'm <laughs> As
0: always. <laughs> well done. Um and finally, who would win in a breakdancing contest? You, Ross Ritchie, or Brianna Hart?
1: Wow. Um I am a better dancer than both of them. I I can say that without without any reservation, so I would probably win.
0: And and do you think that Ross or Brianna would have disagreement with your statement that you are the better dancer Brianna or that, might
1: is ross is too big he's, he's just not gonna he's not gonna look graceful on the that's dance floor
0: it's not gonna be popular.
1: um yeah yeah brianna would probably brianna's uh, she's our, our assistant here she would probably laugh at me and then walk away <laughs> that's exactly what she would do nice. So, nice so i would win i would totally
0: win excellent um, and do you have any final uh, words of advice uh, for aspiring? Well, I guess screenwriters, comic book writers, whoever. In terms of you know,
1: you know, I, I think just just keep keep developing. You know, the, the the thing that I love the most when I'm reading a writer is the writer's voice. Mm-hmm. I always always love it when a screenplay is a pleasure to read. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have done two movies right now with Elaine Brush McKenna. Who wrote *The Devil Wears Prada* and wrote the new Annie movie and the new Cinderella movie coming up? Mm -hmm. Um, She wrote *Rust* and then another project called *Rochester* for us. And her screenplays are such a pleasure to read because of the language and the cadence of the way that she writes and her words. It's like she's sitting down and she's telling you a story, and her personality comes through so much in her writing. Right. And you know, I, I I just love that. I love when you read writers and that personality just comes through. So if, if you're a writer and you know, you're, you're starting out or something, just, just work, work on your voice and don't be afraid to put your voice in there because it's so much more important to be who you are authentically in your writing Mm -hmm. than to try to be somebody else, you know? And if, if who you are, isn't what's going to sell, then, you know, at least you tried, but it, it, it's so much better to develop your own voice because it, it will it will serve you, you know, far longer than anything else. Right. I think no, in I... terms of the actual writing itself. I mean, you know, it helps if you can schmooze and talk to people <laughs>
0: a little bit. <laughs>
2: no, but, absolutely.
1: Um, but yeah, that, that's that's my biggest advice, I would say.
0: Awesome. Um, always great talking to you, Stephen. Thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Thank you, Kevin. It's an honor. My pleasure. Um,
0: and you can follow Stephen on Twitter at Stephen Christie, um, and you should follow Stephen on Twitter at Stephen Christie. That's a Stephen with a P H. Uh, and you can visit uh, Boom Studios online at Boom. Dash studios dot com. I don't know who has com, but you're boom dash studios dot com. <laughs> um and if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at script and dot com or send us a tweet to at script scribe. There's no and in the middle there, just at script scribe. Thanks for listening.